Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hi, Jace. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode with me. It is such a pleasure to get to meet you and have this conversation. So welcome to the show. Happy. Thank you very much. I'm super psyched. You're laughing. I get teased about my howdy all the time, even online folks. And you know, I think of it like high with a hug. I love oh, that's good. It's high with a hug, you know, and I, it's been part of my life for so long and it just naturally came out in my videos that I started <laughs> and then it became, now it's just part of life. So howdy. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm super psyched to get to be part of this today. Yeah, for sure. Why don't we start with just taking a minute and let everybody know a little bit about you and what you do. Wonderful. This is uh, such, it's becoming an increasingly difficult question (laughs) to answer. The what do you do question. So I'm going to start by telling you, I have a big vision to have an unconventional holistic healing space in a rural setting that weaves in healing and thriving mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and environmentally. So bringing in the earth, the body, coming back to a community setting. And I really have found that a sense of safety, a perception of safety, of course, we know is required for any kind of healing and to catapult us out of this outdated, way long lasting, idea of survival, right? Like we're, how are you doing? I'm surviving. Yeah, we're done with that. It's 2022. We need to be thriving as a society. And there's so many blocks to that. And the big part of that is that we've not woven in all of the components of healing and thriving into this process of recovery from addiction, trauma, early childhood, uh, adverse experiences, whatever we want to call it. So I have a big vision to have a a rural space that can be used for long-term and short-term living, as well as retreats and all kinds of different things. So as part of that, (laughs) I do many things to work in that direction. Of course, I'm a, a speaker and facilitator. Uh, in person and online. I am also, I work on a farm. I'm a farmhand. Yes, I am learning how to work in intimate ways with mother nature, how to run a homestead, how to be off grid. So I do that. That's what I was doing before this. I was a sweaty farmer right before showering and coming on your podcast. Uh, I do that. And I'm also working to be a spiritual leader as well, interfaith, interspiritual leader, so that I can run a non-cult (laughs) (laughs) people always like is it going to be a cult because you'd be great at that and I'm like I believe way too much in independent thinking yeah and in being your own person like radical self-acceptance and authenticity is way too deep as a part of my my methodology so it won't be a cult 
but it's going to require all of these components of being a community participant and leader as part of a, a council. And of course, working with the earth and a lot of different healing practices as well that go far beyond traditional healing and recovery. So I have a lot of things that I do in that regard. And I'm in pre-production on a podcast right now as well. So we'll add host to that. Oh, I love that. You'll yeah. love podcasting. It's amazing. It's a lot of work, but it's amazing. Yeah, I'm very excited. There's a, just my paths have, have led me there. So yeah. hosting the show is going to come up in the mix as well. And I do a lot of content creation, of course, a lot of entertainment education based uh, shame eliminating uh, <laughs> content. That's what we all need. Shame eliminating. We okay. Society, we cannot continue as we have been. We just can't. Not as individuals, not as communities, and not as the world. Shame's got to go. Yeah. Amen to that. So what led you, tell everybody a little bit about your journey and what led you to all of this healing work? Mm, did you hear how long that bio just was? You want to hear my journey? Ooh, y'all get a cup of coffee or something. Here we go. No, it's actually a really interesting time that we're having this conversation because it was in 2014, just a, a couple of weeks from where we are today, where I was preparing for my suicide. I had really come to a place where I saw absolutely no way out. I did not understand that the life I'd been living, the experiences I'd been having were shared by so many others. It's one of the things with sex addiction that's our biggest problem. It's our biggest obstacle is that we're just not talking about it. We're not hearing about it in real ways. And of course that's expanded since 2014, but it's still so stigmatized. It's, there's still so much shame there because we're not talking about it. It's that double, you know, it's like the catch 22 that's going to exist until more of us talk about it, but more people don't want to talk about it while that's there. So anywho, I really felt like my experience was my own. And of course I thought that it was created by me. I was so deep in self-loathing that I did not see a reason to continue being I had the insane thought that me being here actually made it worse for everyone else here in my family, in my circle, in the world. I thought I'd be doing everybody a favor if I was gone. And I recognized something in me recognized that I had been using sexual behavior in the same way that people use substances. So I was starting to put these things together that I had been using it. But here's the thing. It wasn't working anymore. The numbing out that I had been experiencing from it or the boost from it. And for me, and we'll probably get into this later, but it was all about power. Sex addiction has mm -hmm. nothing to do for, with sex. Not for me, not for anybody. We all have different reasons we gravitate towards it, but for me, it was power. And I started recognizing that wasn't real power. I was not getting my power back by trying to take the power of others. Side note, that doesn't work. Don't <laughs> waste your time. Um, and so it was like, if this thing that I hate, but that's been helping me, isn't even helping me anymore, what do I have left? What am I doing here? And I couldn't connect with people. I was lying to everyone. Nobody knew me. You know, we all say it. If anybody really knew me, what? Mm -hmm. They it wouldn't really me. like me. That's right. You better believe it. I didn't like me. So yeah, why was right, right. going to like me? You know, all of that came into this notion that me being dead was a way cooler plan. Uh, it was the only thing that made sense to me. And so I started prepping. 
I was in motion for my suicide and we say a voice, but I didn't hear it. I felt it. I felt it, but it had words. And I can't, I can't tell you what that means. That's elusive, but that was the experience. And it was this notion like, okay, if I have been using this behavior and things that fall in the realm of sex addiction are vast, <laughs> mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of things to choose from. None of them work, by the way. Don't take that as an invitation <laughs> to like, oh, there's a lot of options. No, none of them work. Anywho, I, I recognize, okay, I'm using these things in the same way that, that people use substances. Does that mean that there can be addiction included in this? And if that's true, well, they got solutions over there for that substance stuff. Like, could there possibly be, would I be pioneering this? Maybe I'll be the first one. Like, you know, because, you know, and we, we laugh, but I have people contact me today that go, I'm the only one, you and me, Jace, you and me, we're out here. You know, you're the only person I've heard it talk about. And I'm like, this is a million dollar industry dealing with sex addiction. You think they did, built that for you and me? Ooh, we yeah. better get on these healing modalities because we're going to have all these people out of business. Like, no, come on, team. Millions, millions of people are dealing with sex addiction. Anywho, little Google search. Woo you bet. You better believe sex addiction is a, is one facet of addiction and that there are there are potential solutions for it. Uh, and I found one in my neighborhood. There was a meeting. It was a Thursday. I remember it well because I, I thought, you got one shot. Voice in there. You got one shot. If that does not work on Thursday, my plan goes into place on Friday. Obviously, I'm here. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler it, it, alert. I'm here, right? Like, you're not hearing me from beyond. Uh, and so I went and I, I, for the first time, I sat in this room and I heard my story from other people. And I heard them talking about stuff that I never heard anybody talk about, that I had never dared talk about. You know, it's this, it's so embarrassing how cliche we all are. Yes. And I know that hurts. If you're stuck in a space of ego out there listening, I know that hurts to hear, but it is embarrassing how much of a stereotype we all are that are suffering in silence yes. with addiction. Because we think we got this whole thing all on our own. Nothing new. There's nothing new about addiction. There's nothing new about sex addiction, any addiction, excuse me, any form of addiction. Of course, yeah. addiction is just a process going on in the brain and body. There's not multiple addictions. There's just right. <laughs> a lot of ways that we interact with that. Anywho, I started going to these meetings, started hearing from these people. I was very stubborn. I was very anti-God, anti-anything in that realm. And I was looking at these steps and I thought, mm, I'm going to skip all of these ones. <laughs> like, and, and I remember this was so embarrassing. I remember sitting across from this guy. His name was Sam, bless his heart. And I don't mean that in the Southern way. <laughs> Truly, bless his heart. And I was telling him, I don't need less control. I need more control. That will be the solution. <laughs> that is the answer for yes, me. <laughs> more, if only I could just be in more control, that will solve this. And he was so sweet. He was said, okay, okay. Like you go ahead and try that. And in his head, he's like, oh, we gonna see you fall on your face. Uh, which of course I did. Cause I started, I started the recovery process, but I didn't get sober. I actually went deeper and darker than I'd ever gone before. My life actually got scarier. Uh, and I started, and I think because I knew now I had, I had some awareness around my behaviors and that there was a way out. So all of a sudden it was like, uh-oh, this really is a problem. We talk about this same thing with um, alcoholism 
And drugs, right? Like nothing will ruin your good time more than knowing you need to stop and still doing it anyway. You know what I mean? Like when you really reach the place that you understand your behavior is problematic and you have to make some changes, it's not healthy. Once you really grasp that, (laughs) your addiction of choice is no longer going to be fun and lighthearted. It, it's a buzzkill for sure. But yeah. I'm going to switch up some of the language there. And the answer is, do I have to? No, I can, I can drive myself right into the grave. My dad did. So many people do, right? But is that the life I want? Which is fantastic. I always say addiction is not your fault. Recovery is your responsibility. Because the not, that's not your <laughs> fault. You know, this stuff started for me at five, maybe younger. You want to bring my five-year-old self? Ooh, she was cute. Cute, 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 long hair, adorable, sweet kid, nothing but loving her. You want to bring her in here and start telling her that this life is her fault? Because I don't. Because it wasn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we're coming back. I start the recovery thing. Life gets worse. I finally am humbled. Where I go, I don't got this. All right, bring me those, bring me those God things again. Well, let me hear that. Let me let me see about this stuff. Let me look at those steps I wanted to skip over here. <laughs> and maybe this control thing is, you know, I, you know, I was, I was so humbled. And I didn't have a life I wanted to live. I didn't think I was worth mm-hmm. living any life but the terrible life I was living. I didn't think I was worth kindness. I didn't think I was worth healing it, let alone thriving. No, thriving was not coming out of my mouth at that time. Right. And so all I had, I had just this little sand grain of doubt that said, maybe I'm not a terrible person. Maybe this doesn't have to be my life. Maybe there's something underneath all of this that if it was resolved, I could be somebody. Maybe. Everything I've thought about myself has been wrong. And that doubt, that little grain of doubt, and it did, it allowed me to just stay long enough. Because what if, what if I wasn't a shitty person? What if I did deserve to live? What if that idea of potential I dared to think at one point in my life had some reality to it? So I kept at it. And then I started to engage with a lot of other healing modalities because Though I, I don't do or promote 12-step at this time, it was a very important part yeah. of healing for me. Absolutely, it was. Yeah, me too. And it was not the only part of the equation, nor can it ever. It can be, and not for everybody, but it can be a piece of the healing equation. And it's not the only option. Of course, if 12-step ain't your jam, it's 2022. There's so many options right now. That's fine. But that was part of my equation. I started doing uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, like our good old fashioned talk therapy type of stuff. I started branching out way bigger from that as well. Reiki healing. Uh, I started doing all kinds of different support groups, theta healing, cranial sacral. I came into somatic healing, really bringing the body in. That was the Mm -hmm. last piece because I had been terrified of my body for my entire life and super disconnected, but bringing in the breath, meditation. And that started growing bigger and bigger. Then I had community. Community is such a big part of this. You got to have it. It's such a huge part of it. It's it's the biggest part of it. Yes. The biggest part of it. I say it a thousand times and I feel like you still come up against this 
thought process of people that, well, I just want to do it on my own. I'm just going to try to figure it out on my own. I think I can do this on my own. And I'm like, wow, what a really sad and lonely way to approach anything, right? Like you have to, we are pack animals as human beings. We are created to connect and be together and do things together. And that was the biggest lifesaver. And especially at this stage of my sobriety too, like I can easily tell you, I mean, listen, AA saved my life. There's no question. But a lot of that is that AA was the cheat sheet, right? All I had to do was show up. And then I had acceptance. I had a place to learn about myself and learn what was going on within me. I had a place to do the steps and start the very tip of the iceberg healing and to start to gain some self-respect because that's really what I got through working the steps was self-respect. Mm. I did something. I was committed to it. I showed up every day and I followed through. And the only thing I had ever done that with before was drinking. Yeah. And drinking surely didn't give me self-respect, but showing up and going through this process and being committed to it gave me self-respect. Mm. And I got to start breaking out of some of that self-loathing and it gave me community. It gave me the people to hang out with. So I wasn't lonely. I wasn't bored. I wasn't missing my old life. You know, so for me, like it was just the cheat sheet. All I had to do, my dumb ass just had to walk in and sit down, you know, like, and literally it had to be that simple for me because I don't know if I could have done anything more than just show up and sit down, you know, for a long time. (laughs) Yes. And I've watched far too many people continue doing only that. Yeah. It gives us that taste, but then we feel a little bit better. And for so many folks, that little bit better stays the like plan where that that's the name of anything else, because it's like a little better than deep, like complete suffering. Well, I'm surprised too, at how many people don't realize the deeper stuff going on. Like I had a client And I don't know why this surprises me because it was kind of my same experience (laughs) in a certain way. But I had a client say to me, maybe a year ago, I said something, you know, in a conversation and I said something about her trauma and she goes, you know, she said, it's really crazy. I didn't realize I had trauma until I started working with you. And I was like, wow, because she has some significant stuff, right? That, that to me, I guess as a professional, and obviously I've been doing this a long time and have a ton of education and experience, but it just seemed so second nature to me, but I had a similar experience with sex trauma where I knew it was there. I knew it existed. I didn't have any of the overt things. I wasn't molested. I wasn't raped, right? I didn't have those things. So I think I minimized it a lot, but I knew I had some of that stuff and it was actually kind of used against me in a relationship, you know, almost weaponized, like, well, you've got sex trauma you've got to work on. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) settle down. Yeah. Like I didn't. I didn't realize that my trauma was such an inconvenience for you. Let me get right on that. But I did sort of have that same epiphany moment. Like I feel like my client had where again, like I kind of knew it was there, but I guess I didn't realize the significance of it or the different ways that it would manifest and how it could affect the people around me. So I think people sit in programs and they do start to feel a little bit better 
but they really don't understand what other things they could be doing for healing. Yes. And, and I had a very similar one as well. I cut in my body. I knew something was off. And especially when I would engage in uh, physical touch and things. And sometimes I would, you know, like flinch or so I'm like something occurred and I, but I didn't have a direct memory of it either. And from that perception of the child, when that happens, it's too much. We don't have any tool or way of understanding something. And as it continues and as we bury it and all these things, it, it does, it gets put in these little boxes and some get stored in the attic and, you know, let's put that one in the basement and send that one in, you know, aunt so-and-so's trunk of her car. It just goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing that our brain and body does for us at the time. And until we go and unpack those boxes and track down aunt so-and-so's Pinto from 1988 (laughs) or whatever, like we've got to pull it all out is one theory. There are other theories on that, but really to, to get into that, I had been in recovery for over three years until then when it's all chaos and I'm a mess and I'm not doing a great job in my life, you know, it's like, Oh girl, you mm -mm, no, you ain't ready. Like you can't handle any of this still. So I'm going to keep it hidden for you because I love you and it's my job and I want you to function and survive. And I love that our brains and body does, you know, do that for us until we want to be healing, thriving, amazing, phenomenal people reaching our full potential. And then all of a sudden we don't have to dig it all out. Right. So Mm -hmm. that was part of my journey as well. And It's why a safe environment is so important. And yes, that can come through 12 step as it does for me. Yes, it can come through traditional therapy. Yes, it can come through other support groups. You can get support and have a team and a community outside of recovery. People don't have to understand your exact situation to have your back. And this is a really big thing for people with sex addiction, because there's not a lot of support that's just out there in the world. It is highly stigmatized. That's just the truth. We're working on it. Please join me in working on it. (laughs) But we're working on bringing that stigma down, bringing the shame down around that. So having community in this area is really hard. And what I have found is you don't have to have people know exactly the things. Everybody's got stuff. I guarantee everybody has done something that they aren't proud of, or they think that, you know, defines them and men, pornography coming into the mix, the way it has Mm -hmm. so many people have, have issues with this or have unhealthy relationships with sex and sexual behavior. It is our most unhealthy area as a country, as a world. So you want to tell me you're worried people aren't going to relate (laughs) And when they know you and they love you, even if they can't relate, they're not going to judge you. They're going to be cool about it. So first off, please know that you are worth having people in your life who love you and care about you and who are going to sit there and hear your stuff and be like, whoa, okay, let's roll. Like, what do you need from me? Like, how can I support you in your journey? Those people are out there. They're everywhere. They're the majority. Yeah, for sure. They're the majority. People are always like, oh my gosh, are you scared talking about this stuff publicly? And have people been mean? Yes. Have I gotten death threats? Yes. Have I had like horrible things said to me? Yes. But the vast majority of people are so kind, so encouraging, so loving. That is our majority. And I say, let people surprise you. And if you're having a hard Mm -hmm. time finding support in a community around sex addiction specifically, open your mind, open your heart to letting other people support you, even if they don't get it. And that there are a lot of healing modalities I engaged in that aren't thought of as healing modalities, like traditionally, right? Ecstatic dance, 
dance is such a big part of my life. It helped me reconnect to my body and the world and others in safe ways. I got a couple of pups and they've been the number one factor throughout my life throughout the last 12 years that have kept me going. They're the only ones who have been with me through everything. My dogs as my guides, my guardians, my friends, as my team have been the pause button. Dogs are the best thing ever. Do it. Get a dog. Well, I think too, it's just a whole, it's just a whole picture of your life. Like you have all these different aspects of you as a human and you have to nurture all of them. You can't only pay attention to one or two pieces of the puzzle. You have to nurture all those areas of yourself. We're going far beyond sobriety, which by the way, folks, sobriety is the beginning. It is not the end goal It is the beginning. It's the threshold to who you are and the life you're here to live. Well, here's something I want to ask you about this because you said earlier that your drive was power or the underlying thing for you was about power. So what are the underlying things that other people would be experiencing? Yes. Oh, beautiful. So I think power is, is a common one. So many of us were disenfranchised one way or another in early life that then we're out there trying to gain it back. So yeah, power, I think is a big one where we just want to feel like we have agency. And that's something that of course goes off the table when addiction is in the mix. We don't Mm -hmm. have agency of our Mm -hmm. lives and ourselves. How many have woken up and been like, what did I do last night? Like what lies do I have to uphold today? That's not agency. So we all want to have agency. That is a basic human need. It's not a bonus. It's a basic human need to have agency over who we are in the life we live. Another A human need as important as food, water, and shelter is human connection. You nailed it earlier when you said we are pack animals. We are. That's not a weakness. We were not made, designed, and I'm talking biologically. I'm not talking spiritually. Biologically, we are not designed to thrive alone. You can survive alone. We are not designed to be alone. Human connection is as important as food and water. And a lot of people, I think in every area of life, but particularly with sex addiction are looking for just that actual, genuine human connection. And you can't get it through the reacting out behaviors that we engage in. Intimacy comes when we are true about who we are, where we're at in life, how we're showing up, what we want, when we are living that agency and authentic selves. And we're sharing that openly and bravely with another that's intimacy. Having sex with a stranger is not but it can kind of feel like it for a couple of hours. So in, you know, real human connection, I'd say is the biggest one. And then we get a lot around worth and acceptance, which also is a survival need. We cannot be accepted by others until we are in radical acceptance of ourselves. And I use the word radical because I mean, all of it has to be included and embraced. You don't have to like it all. You don't have to keep it all, but we have to, we have to accept it all in ourselves. If we don't, we'll never actually feel connected and accepted by others. Cause there's going to be that little voice in our head that goes, yeah, but they don't know this. Or there's this thing to be ashamed of that even you hide from. So how would that, this is your inner voice's uh, accent, by the way, it talks like that. What we're talking about is getting down to the core of who and what you really are. And it is a life journey. It is daunting. 
sometimes, but it's so fun. Do you know how fun it is to really love yourself and for no one to be able to hold anything against you? Cause like, what are people going to say about me? I'm not afraid of anything. I'm the scariest person that walks into a room because I'm not afraid of anything. And when you can go through life like that, and we all can, when we take that path of self-acceptance and it just becomes easier, this tough stuff comes, but it does not knock me down. I'm like, Oh, let's engage the team. Let's do these. Th-. Like, I'm like, boom, boom, boom. Let's get every, you know, who I need on board. Let's figure out the solution. You know, I use my team. I use my tools of which I have tons and my life continues on. So when I say life gets fun and it's easier, I don't mean that stuff doesn't keep happening. I don't mean that like all of a sudden I had more money in my bank account to deal with this situation or, you know, whatever, but it didn't hit me that hard. Life is going to happen regardless of how you feel about it. <laughs> you know? yeah, so how cool would it be if you just had like less heavy feelings about it? Yeah. Things are not going to go the way we want them to sometimes. <laughs> I mean, that is to our benefit sometimes. It's for just that. the that facts is. of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the human condition. And so, but now I just, it, I just can deal with it pretty quickly, pretty yeah. simply. I can honor my experience without a great outburst. That's the thing I love too, right? It's like you said, it doesn't take me down. It doesn't ruin my whole day. You know, like you just jump into action. You figure it out. You cry if you need to, or go exercise, whatever you need to do. Then you move on. Yeah. And then you move on with your day. Absolutely. And I'm catching the stories that were trying to come up in my head right? Like, oh, all the bad luck and like, you know, why me? Like, why is this happening now? You know, the silly, they're just stories, by the way. They're not reality people. They're just stories in your head. But so I'm shutting the stories down. I go, no, it's just a thing that happened. And it doesn't say a thing about me as a person. If we came into actual true reality, if we'll recognize that so much of human behavior is just to be acceptable, just to have worth and to be, to just be like, am I lovable yet? Is this enough yet? Did I do enough yet? Am I successful enough yet? Did I make enough money? Did I get a big enough house? Does, you know, is my wife attractive enough? Like what are like so much of life is just to try to prove that we're worthy and acceptable. But what if you already believe that? Do you know how much energy you save when you don't have to try to be proving that anymore? It's very badass. I highly recommend it. (laughs) Highly recommend it. I love that. Okay. So here's last thing that I think is going to be so helpful. Yes. A good book recommendation. If somebody listening right now is recognizing they have this struggle or if they've known they have a struggle with sex, with acting out, if they understand it's sex addiction, whatever realm on the spectrum they're in, what is something you would recommend them to read or check out? Yes. Fantastic. I say everyone read this, but especially women. Uh, There is a great book by Charlotte Castle, Women, Sex and Addiction, and it's very good. It's very good. Of course, Patrick Carnes, kind of the granddad of sex addiction and things. There's a lot of research and a lot of cool things coming out of that space. Sure. I like Rob Weiss. He's got some, there's a sex addiction 101 book. It's literally called sex addiction 101. That can be a really helpful book later on as, as moving further into recovery. And we're coming into like how do you be sexually healthy and vibrant while having sex addiction in your background? Erotic intelligence. Alexandra Kata 
It's a very good book. It's likely to be very triggering for people that are newer in their healing. So maybe skip that one for a while, but later definitely read it. It's a great read. And the majority of my YouTube channel is all education from a personal point, as well as the continuing education that I've had. Most of my YouTube channel is just direct, easy to understand, easy to digest information about sex addiction. YouTube, Jace Downey, that's what I do. Is we're we're teaching about and we're we're destigmatizing, destig de-shaming sex addiction through education. And I will, for everybody out there, I will link all of those things in the show notes also so you can find them. And in the Facebook group, you'll be able to find all that stuff. Jace, thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much incredible information with us. And for your bravery of talking about this stuff, like I know as a woman, the thought of speaking so publicly about sex addiction is terrifying to me. So I just so appreciate you and your courage for talking about what you've gone through and what it's meant to you and, and the solutions. Thank you. I received that. It is not something I thought would be part of it. No one's like a little kid. I'm like, when I grow up, I'm going to talk publicly about sex addiction and sexual abuse. Like nobody's doing that. Right. But like, it's my life. I never saw it coming. So thank you for having me on and for being awesome and for having such an amazing voice in the addiction and recovery space. You're killing it. Thank you. So psyched. It's all passion work. Yeah, I know it. This stuff is hard, by the way, people. It takes a lot of time, energy, money, resources, stamina to, to what she's doing here with this podcast. A lot goes on behind the scenes. So share it, engage with it, like help support it because this stuff really is actually very hard and it takes a personal toll. I quit. It 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 wore me down. It, it is uh, a lot. I, I, yeah, it really is a lot. So, and not everybody's willing to do it. So thank you for doing it. Thank you for being a pioneer in this space and for leading the way in this recovery revolution, which we really are in the midst of. Yeah. Thank you. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast, candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.